Well, welcome to the Get Fit with Jodell show. I am super stoked because it's time for another mind-blowing episode with Dr. Ray Pete. Dr. Pete and I decided to do listener questions today, so I can hardly wait to hear his responses to some really great questions that people um, put up on the posts and on my Facebook and things like that. So I appreciate you guys asking questions. And Dr. Pete, I appreciate you because once again, I'm so honored beyond words to have you with me. Thank you so much. So are you ready for this slew of questions? <laughs> uh, yep, go ahead. Okay. Great. Well, we'll start with um, this person wanted to remain anonymous, but they said, and it was kind of an interesting question. They said, can you give us your opinion on the current fitness trends and also what your daily exercise looks like? So this one's a little personal to you, Dr. Pete. Oh, um, I never exercise. Well, once about every 10 years, I do some exercises just to see how things are working. idea of exercise, uh, I, I think, is uh, uh, not biologically sound. Okay. Uh, I think all of your activities should be intentional, uh, in some way constructive, mm-hmm. or, or at least uh, pleasure-giving. Uh, and uh, uh, the idea of exercise seems to be uh, more fulfilling a duty or obligation rather than doing something just because it's fun or productive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, so that kind of takes me down. I'm going to go a little further down on my list because there was another person that asked a similar question um, about exercise, and this was an individual who likes to run. And this woman said, um, if a woman would like to run on a regular basis for enjoyment, is that something that's beneficial, and does she need to be more vigilant as far as PUFA intake and environmental estrogens? If you have a very uh, pretty place to run in, <laughs> uh, like uh, like the uh, uh, natives of northern Mexico uh, have uh, uh, canyons and uh, interesting sceneries to run through, Yeah, so what you're saying is more you're thinking in terms of movement, like people need to move um, their bodies, but not necessarily, you know, getting on a treadmill or an elliptical machine to hash out 45 minutes just because they feel like they should. Harmful. 
from a stress standpoint, right? So sometimes these exercises that we're trying to do to get our bodies in shape, if we don't enjoy them, they can actually be stress-inducing, yes? Um, yeah, and deepening the rut, a habit of doing something that isn't pleasurable or meaningful deepens your tolerance for meaninglessness mm. and you're, you're at risk of sinking into uh, a routine behavior and routine life. Yeah, I like that. I like not living a life, like you said, not a meaningless existence or having meaningless in your life. We need to have meaning in everything we do. So I like that approach. Uh, the next question is, uh, Dr. Pete, could you please uh, tell us the difference between a dairy allergy and lactose intolerance? Like what different symptoms would we expect between the two? And what can we also do in case it's actually a dairy allergy? So I guess in terms of them saying if it is a dairy allergy versus the intolerance, what can we do? And I'm sure you have some insight on this as to what they can do to kind of make the intolerance go away, because I've heard you talk about that. Uh, yeah, an allergy can be uh, deadly. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a mild allergy is just annoying. It makes, uh, uh, if it's on your uh, tongue or, or mouth, it, it makes it burn and uh, uh, maybe swell up a little. If it's serious, it, it will make your membranes swell up just just to a, a hideous extent uh, so that you can, can't can move your tongue, uh, can't swallow, uh, and uh, it, any of the surfaces that it reaches, if it's a, a real allergy, it, it can stop the function, can make it impossible to breathe, for example, which is fatal. Uh, but a lactose intolerance is uh, simply the inability to uh, absorb and digest uh, milk milk sugar. Uh, And uh, if you have a a sugar in your intestine that can't be absorbed, it has a laxative effect and it it tends to run through you. Or if you have uh, the wrong kind of bacteria, uh, the bacteria can convert it to gas. And so uh, uh, gas is the most uh, common symptom for uh, lactose intolerance. And so like I've heard you mention before, if somebody does have an intolerance, I've heard you talk about how different approaches towards nutrition can actually help that individual develop a tolerance and be able to eat dairy, yes? Um, uh, Yeah. Uh, A a deficiency of thyroid hormone uh, creates various inefficiencies uh, metabolically, uh, uh, low production of digestive enzymes is typical, uh, low stomach acid sometimes, uh, and the uh, uh, enzymes to digest lactose, among other things, will be low when your thyroid uh, hormone activity is low. Uh, and so uh, low thyroid people, uh, as a rule, to some extent, have a lactose intolerance, and just fixing the thyroid function uh, will improve their digestion of milk. Uh, There were studies of people who uh, were theoretically 
genetically uh, unable to digest lactose uh, because of their race. And the tests done in those people, starting with half a glass of milk or a quarter of a glass of milk every day, uh, doing that for a few weeks, they found that these genetically intolerant people were able to induce the enzyme. The enzyme is there in infancy, and it's just a matter of keeping it active or reinducing it as an adult by, by giving your intestine the exposure to a daily amount of lactose. Okay, that's interesting. So I'm going to throw in my own question here. So let's say somebody, like you said, we have that since infancy has the ability to digest dairy, but like all of a sudden in their older years, they can't digest it anymore. Like what was, what would be the cause of that? Would that have to do with the low thyroid that, and like you're mentioning the low stomach acid? Uh, Or a vitamin deficiency. Okay. Well, then uh, hopefully that's helpful to that listener to, that they can start to maybe take some thyroid and be able to replenish their ability to take in dairy. Because that actually happened to me. Once I got my thyroid working after that toxic mold exposure, I was able to do dairy again, which before I'd been having problems with it. So, yeah, I think you're obviously spot on. So, <laughs> um, okay. I've, I've, oh, go I've, ahead. I've known people who recovered from a, a variety of very different kinds of allergies or sensitivities. Aspirin sensitivity is another thing that is supposed to be genetic. Mm. But I have a friend who was, for 55 years of his life, he was thought to be aspirin intolerant, and now he takes aspirin every day. Wow, that's fantastic. Okay, so there is hope for those people that have intolerances to certain things. The next question we got was, what is the root cause of grinding of the teeth? Or I guess it's called bruxism, is that right? Uh, Yeah, Uh, and um, serotonin excess is is one of the things that that happens during the night. Uh, And usually uh, an irritation in the intestine during the night, as your blood sugar goes down, uh, your nerves and, and immune system become more irritable because of the falling energy supply. And that irritability during the night, even though the food wasn't causing an allergic reaction during the daytime, during the night, uh, uh, the falling blood sugar makes you start sensing uh, relatively toxic things in your intestine or irritating things mm-hmm. and that causes the intestine to increase its production of serotonin and serotonin is closely connected with bruxism. Oh, that's that's really interesting. So someone would want to get their serotonin levels down in order to prevent that from happening. Usually just uh, looking at your diet and finding uh, things 
intestine so that it overproduces uh, things such as histamine, serotonin, and nitric oxide. Yeah, I can't tell you how many people will, well, women especially, will say, well, I have a green salad every day, and yet I have a lot of digestive issues. <laughs> you know, we want to tell them, well, that, that, you know, here's your sign. That's why it's happening is we, like you said, we can't digest all of those greens. Uh, yeah, we simply don't have enzymes to digest them. Uh, uh, there were experiments with, with rats uh, feeding them uh, fresh raw vegetables or the same vegetables that had been canned at very high temperature and pressure. Uh, and uh, supposedly the nutrients are, are uh, lost by high temperature cooking, but actually that because it breaks down the cellulose, it actually makes more nutrients available. So the, the rats uh, wasted away when they were fed uh, fresh vegetables. Hmm. But thrived on the canned vegetables of exactly the same sort. Uh, and uh, 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 you, you can do an experiment uh, if you put a, a bit of green salad into a plastic bag and then keep it at body temperature for two or three days, which would happen after you ate it. See what happens uh, to the, the fresh green salad after two or three days of body temperature. <laughs> Usually a, a foul mess. I can imagine that would be a fun party trick to show your friends. Like, look what's happening <laughs> to salads when we eat them. <laughs> okay, so Rachel asks the next question. She says, what does Dr. Pete feel are the better exercises, of course we touched on that, foods, supplements for middle-aged women in regards to lowering chronic stress or cortisol? I know getting outdoors in nature and plenty of sunshine are huge lifestyle factors in helping this, but what else? And as always, thank you. Um, if, if you live in a, a woodsy cold climate, uh, cutting wood and stacking it in the summer months is a good, uh, useful exercise uh, that uses your muscles. <laughs> and in the winter, or if you don't have wood to cut, uh, dumbbells are, are the closest thing to uh, getting Oh, that's, I love that you just said that because I went to camping recently and my husband and my brother were showing me how to chop wood and, and for, for the fire. And I fell in love with it. Like I told them, I want to learn how to like be a, per, like a really great wood chopper. And it was such a great workout and yet it was fun too. And it was almost like a stress reliever too. I'm, uh, yeah. Uh, and with a good cross cut saw, you can, uh, saw logs for the fireplace and uh, get push and pull exercise on your arm muscles uh, doing using alternate arms on a cross cut saw uh, it's like a, a very expensive exercise machine oh, I love that I'm going to give that a try too because I was just using an axe and chopping so I got the chopping mechanism but I didn't do the push pull now she also asked like what supplements or uh, nutrition do you recommend as far as lowering chronic stress and cortisol? Um, things that are easy to digest and that don't lower your blood sugar mm -hmm. are, are the 
powerful anti-stressors are calcium, uh, keeping the ratio of calcium to phosphate uh, very high in your diet uh, has a relaxing uh, anti-stress effect. Uh, when your muscles are uh, active and growing, uh, they actually produce some testosterone. Mm. Uh, when they're under stress and, and not not being used properly, uh, they tend to uh, convert cholesterol into cortisol and actually uh, create the stress uh, syndrome. The unused muscle is slightly toxic uh, uh, under some conditions where the used muscle uh, is ad adding to your steroid protective hormones. Wow, okay. So, and okay, I'm going to throw in a question here too. Uh, since you have a lot of history in Mexico, being living down there and such, um, I have kind of a favorite starchy vegetable that's jicama. And I was wondering your thoughts on jicama as far as a food that's, that's might be good for digestion or not, or what do you think about jicama in general? I'm, I've eaten a lot of it and uh, I don't generally tolerate uh, uh, starch as well. For example, uh, cucumbers mm -hmm. give me terrible gas and, and even uh, uh, cantaloupes are too, too gas farming for me. Mm -hmm. But I never had uh, trouble with jicama. I don't know uh, what it is, but uh, it, it is uh, uh, starch, but uh, uh, it, it, it isn't a famously gas-producing yeah, I noticed that for myself that I found it easy to digest, but there are so many other raw vegetables that if I would try to eat them in, you know, the raw state, then I would have problems, but not that one. So I wonder if it's because if it may be part of the tuber family, like a potato. Um, it, it's in a very different family, but uh, yeah, it's probably a different set of allergens and antigens. Okay, well, good to know. I've been wanting to ask you that for a while, so that's good. Okay, and then Tina asks, does Dr. Pete advise those coming from calorie-restricted eating and intermittent fasting protocols to slowly increase food intake and possibly count calories? So that's her first question. So what do you think about somebody coming from calorie-restricted and intermittent fasting, and how would they slowly increase their food intake and count calories, or should they? The, the important thing is to uh, watch your your temperature and pulse rate as indicators of uh, how energetic your metabolism is. It's normal for your metabolic rate to go down during the night, mm -hmm. uh, but after breakfast, you should pop right up to a, a working temperature of uh, 37 degrees Celsius or uh, uh, 98.6 Fahrenheit mm -hmm. uh, and the pulse rate of uh, more or less uh, 80 or 85 beats per minute, uh, I think, is, is good during the day. Great. And also um, her second part of her question was, should we take T4 with T3, or does Dr. Pete advise just taking T3? Um, the, the value of T3 in a free form is that to correct a problem, uh, you can use a physiological replacement amount of T3, uh, such as 
much as uh, between one and four micrograms per hour. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, like with a meal where you're going to be absorbing food for uh, two or three hours, uh, 10 micrograms uh, with a meal is a pretty physiological amount. And uh, you can see if that relieves your symptoms. Uh, I've seen uh, very serious symptoms disappear in as little as a minute uh, uh, after taking a, a 5 or 10 microgram dose of, of C3. Mm -hmm. uh, insomnia will uh, very often uh, disappear five minutes af after chewing up a bit of T3. Uh, you you uh, don't, don't have the usual delay in getting to sleep. And, and uh, pains, uh, arthritic pains or breast pains, for example, uh, will disappear in from five to 15 minutes mm -hmm. uh, after taking some. Uh, so it's valuable for its essentially instantaneous uh, repair functions. Uh, but it uh, goes away almost as fast as it takes effect. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, for a time, was taking uh, 25 micrograms in the morning all at once. Mm -hmm. And uh, after doing that for a couple of weeks, at sunset, uh, my heart would uh, begin uh, stopping every 10 seconds uh, mm -hmm. for two or three seconds at a time. Uh, and uh, uh, once it, it uh, stopped so long that uh, I started uh, blacking out with a, a shrinking visual field and uh, uh, had, had to cough repeatedly to get my heart started again. Uh, so I, I realized that uh, taking an outsized dose all at once after a week or two, your liver uh, starts uh, eliminating uh, the T3 at, at an exaggerated rate because it doesn't uh, doesn't uh, recognize that as a natural uh, uh, process. Uh, and after 12 hours uh, of the liver excreting it at that high, high rate, if, if you don't replace it, suddenly you've gone to a, an extremely hypothyroid state, uh, which leads to heart arrhythmia uh, as the worst symptom. Uh, and if, if you take uh, the T4 only, uh, a, a very healthy person, uh, they tested it in the 1940s on uh, male medical students and said uh, thyroxin T4 only uh, had exactly the same effect that the full thyroid substance had on these uh, healthy young men. Uh, and autoimmunity uh, 
as a, a replacement only for healthy people. Mm-hmm. But the people who have a metabolic problem, mostly women, it's exactly the wrong thing to use. But since you you don't want to have to take four micrograms of, of C3 half a dozen times a day, if you take T4 in the evening, for example, uh, once a day, uh, a dose of T4 will uh, help to sustain things through the night, but uh, it, it should be accompanied by uh, ideally uh, one or two doses of T3 during the daytime. Uh, the sustaining effect of T3 uh, during the night uh, means that the uh, when you're exposed to the T3, it, it should activate your liver, keep the estrogen uh, from accumulating. Uh, the liver excretes excess estrogen, and the active liver will activate the thyroid gland, uh, uh, protecting it from the blocking effect of estrogen. Uh, so uh, given... Uh, the supporting effect of T3, then a, a woman's liver can metabolize T4 just like a man's. Wow. Okay. That was that was something that I had been interested in learning about too because I have seen people take T3 and then um, they say that they after a couple weeks they no longer can notice the the difference on it. Would that be because the liver? is starting to push some of it out since they're taking it and now they need to up their dose or should they just... Uh, yeah. Okay. If you, if you take, if you take uh, 5 or 10, 10 or 20 micrograms at once, your liver is going to uh, develop super excretory uh, enzymes to lower it faster than normal. Okay, and then taking T3 sounds like a way to remove excess estrogens from the body. Is that correct? Um, yeah, and that will help you handle the T4. Okay. Well, speaking of excess estrogen, there was another another listener, Diego. He had a question about anti-aromatase um, products such as eczemastain. So he said, what do you think of anti-aromatase products like eczemastain, also known as aromazin? Yeah, those generally have uh, fairly serious side effects. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, the one of them, which is a steroid, I forget whether that's the one you named. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the steroid-based one is the least toxic of the aromatase inhibitors. Okay. So probably needs to be careful with that then if there are some pretty harsh side effects, Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, and the, the um, there are safe uh, aromatase inhibitors, uh, aspirin and uh, uh, progesterone, for example, mm-hmm. do a very good job. Yeah, 
that's that's a much better point. Much safer to take those things for sure. Okay, we have a, a gal named Christy that had a couple questions. The first question is, I'm losing weight and my hands and feet are cold, even with natural thyroid medication, and I'm getting colder. So why is that? It's important to uh, check temperature and pulse rate, mm-hmm. uh, as well as how you're feeling. Uh, the the um, If you um, have been reducing your uh, intake of nutrients, uh, you might have reduced uh, some essential uh, nutrient uh, so much that you're uh, in a stress state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, high cortisol can make you lose weight uh, under stress, but it will be primarily muscle weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, dieters uh, used to... Um, uh, go on a, a very low-calorie diet or, or even fast uh, and find that they could lose uh, 10 or 12 pounds in a week or 10 days. Uh, someone did a study uh, analyzing what was happening to the body, and uh, they, they found that on a, an extremely low-calorie diet, the um, weight loss was about... 80 percent protein and only uh, uh, something like 15 or 20 percent fat. But if they uh, took a moderate amount of nutrition uh, enough to uh, reduce the stress hormones, uh, they could lose uh, 80 percent fat and and only 15 or 20 percent protein tissue. Uh, So it's essential to uh, keep uh, your adequate nutrition while lowering calories. Yeah, the adrenaline will will come up and bring cortisol uh, after, uh, and the cortisol is what makes you lose muscle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So instead, she might try, you know, adding some more calories. And would it serve her if her adrenaline's high to add carbohydrates? Um, uh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, the the um, Carbohydrate at the right amount will spare the protein. Uh, so uh, 80 grams of protein a day, for example, if you're getting uh, uh, the carbohydrate from orange juice, for example, comes with minerals. Uh, potassium has a sparing effect on the protein uh, besides the sugar. Uh, so fruit juice uh, plus the adequate amount of protein uh, will keep your metabolism up uh, and uh, tend to promote fat loss rather than protein loss. Yeah, that's that's a very good tip because anytime I've drank orange juice, I always feel warmer right after I drink it. And so I'm wondering if she would take her temperature prior to drinking it and then after she might notice that she's getting less cold when she does that. Do you agree? Um, yeah, you have to allow time for your uh, the, the effect of the cold orange juice to uh, to wear off. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you drink warm orange juice, then you'll see the uh, the warming effect immediately. Okay. 
Okay, very good. Okay, her, the second part of her question was, uh, she doesn't have a uterus because she had it removed, and um, her doctor told her that she doesn't need to take, she's taking progesterone, but her doctor said, you don't need to take progesterone if you don't have a uterus, and she wanted to know if that was true. I have, a, I have many doctors thought that was true 60 years ago, but I didn't know anyone still said that. <laughs> Uh, last time I, I, I saw that was, I think, 1970, roughly. Uh, uh, but uh, it, it's a, a, a kind of horrifying thing to think that uh, a, a doctor still can believe that progesterone has uh, use only to the uterus. Mm-hmm. It, 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 uh, progesterone is uh, one of the, the, the most basic uh, molecules in the universe, and uh, starting right from the ovum itself, it, it, uh, it is involved in the structure of the ovum, mm-hmm. which, which organizes the genes, uh, the, the cell division mechanism. Um, everything from the beginning of the organism up and uh, as, as the organism matures even before puberty uh, progesterone is uh, in charge of brain development uh, if uh, progesterone is low during gestation uh, the brain fails to develop uh, when it's given uh, as a supplement, the brain uh, becomes uh, super, uh, super able, uh, bigger, bigger, and more, uh, more functional uh, uh, in animal experiments as well as humans. Uh, and in the mature adult brain, uh, progesterone is a major steroid. Ten times higher in in the brain, for example, than circulating in the blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so you might say uh, uh, the, the, the uterus is, is a, a very minor uh, uh, field of operation mm-hmm. for, for the progesterone molecule. Uh, it, it governs brain growth, brain function. If it's low. Uh, a woman will experience uh, epileptic seizures uh, when the brain progesterone falls too low. Uh, mood, uh, depression, uh, a deficiency of, of progesterone uh, affects every aspect of life. Wow. Okay, so there's your answer, Christy. He he says, yes, you can take your progesterone <laughs> even without a uterus because there's so many other benefits to taking progesterone. So that's awesome. Okay, um, one more from Christy. She wanted to know, are sulfur supplements good or bad, such as in the form of MSM? Oh, I, I, when, when people email me that question, I send them a couple of, of uh, articles from uh, about 40 years ago, I think it was, uh, a woman uh, in a California hospital was brought in and uh, she exploded. 
several, she died and, and several of the staff were injured. And uh, analyzing the, the chemistry of what happened, uh, the best hypothesis seems to be that uh, she was using MSM uh, uh, to, to treat a cancer, uh, using very large amounts of it, and some uh, fluke in the way it metabolized led to that toxic explosion. And that, that only happened once, but I, I think it's good for people to be aware of, of that uh, chemical analysis that, that was done in California, uh, just as, as a, an indicator of how little is known about the, the supplements that people so commonly use without knowing, knowing very much about the, the actual chemistry. So she literally exploded, like her body exploded? Um, uh, yeah. Wow. Or the gases around, they had opened a big incision. Yeah, well, that's definitely a supplement that we want to stay away from. <laughs> um, as far as like, I know you mentioned that they took it for cancer, but what? Why do people take MSM? Like, I've never recommended it to my clients, but are there other reasons people take it? And is there something they could take instead? Um, if they're doing it as an anti-inflammatory, uh, yeah, there are lots of anti-inflammatory things. That, uh, the the safest approach, I think, is is to uh, try to uh, look at causes and and see uh, what the particular problem is. Uh, uh, low, low blood sugar leads to inflammation. Uh, too much unsaturated vegetable oil in the diet uh, amplifies inflammation. Uh, uh, too, too much phosphate in the diet relative to calcium is a very powerful uh, promoter of inflammation, uh, uh, things that uh, overactivate the parathyroid gland uh, will lead to in inflammation, fibrosis, calcification, and uh, thing that, that these supplements are recommended for, uh, that they almost always have a, a clear uh, cause that, that can be uh, approached. Supplementing uh, calcium, for example, uh, avoiding uh, things that are over-rich in phosphates, mm -hmm. uh, too much beet, too many beans, too many nuts, uh, for example, uh, those are all heavy in phosphates. Yeah, I can't tell you how many people I talk to about going off of nuts and seeds and for the reason of PUFA as well as oxalates as well as um, inflammatory responses like what you're talking about and how much better they feel after even like less than a week they notice a difference being off of like nuts and nut butters and seeds and things like that. Um, okay, so Trudy asks, I would love to know Dr. Ray Pete's stance on colostrum powder and powdered milk. 
us a few months ago was that the dehydrating and powder producing industry has sometime in recent years they have begun using nanoparticles to prevent clumping of their powders. And colostrum is a good idea. Powdered milk is just a wonder food for convenience. I've used hundreds of pounds of it myself, but recently running across this bit on the new technology, just so that the powder will flow easily, they're actually microscopically coating it with nanoparticles. And I haven't found any industry source which admits that they're using it, but on the Internet you can look at nanoparticles and powdered milk products. You can find lots of articles about the use of it, people selling the technology to be used. And these nanoparticles, if they're in a particular size range, are carcinogenic and pro-inflammatory. And so for several months I haven't been recommending some of my favorite recipes, such as the powdered milk pancakes, flourless pancakes and biscuits and so on, because of the uncertainty of how these powders are being produced. Yeah, there's so many things that start out great, and then they process them a different way, and we as health advocates have to say, our, okay, well, at one time I recommended those, but now I can't because they're changing the processing of it. So that's unfortunate. Uh, yeah, that happened with vitamin, vitamin C mm-hmm. uh, in the mid-1950s. Mid uh, the, the research that made it famous uh, was done in the 40s and, and early 50s, uh, and uh, I, I used it myself, mm-hmm. uh, and with uh, two tablets, tiny tablets of 50 milligrams each, uh, I ended a, a very intense poison oak allergy mm-hmm. uh, so that I, I could work in the woods w- without a, a trace of poison oak sensitivity uh, just after basically 100 milligrams of synthetic vitamin C, but the next time I took it, it had come down in price by about 90%, mm-hmm. and the tablets were now 500 milligrams instead of 50 milligrams, and it caused cold symptoms and other allergy symptoms when I took it, and after my own experience, I started mentioning that to other people who had chronic uh, sinus inflammation, runny nose, post-nasal drip, cough, uh, uh, hemorrhoids, uh, uh, all kinds of mysterious ailments. I, I mentioned my experience with uh, synthetic vitamin C and uh, 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 a huge percentage of these people with chronic uh, 
inflammatory problems solves it when they stop taking their supplements. Wow. Yeah, there's there's so much I've learned from you in particular about supplements and the things that are in them, kind of like the newsletter you had on silica and silicone dioxide, like how these supplements start out so great and then they use these products that really give us no reason to take them because we don't really want to be bringing sand particles into our digestive tract. <laughs> yeah, nano, nano sand. Yeah. Okay, well, there you go. Okay, so um, this next question, this is kind of a loaded question, and hopefully you can explain to the listeners what exactly these big terms are. I'm familiar with them, but I want to hear from you. So can you, it says, can you ask Dr. Pete about pheochromocytoma, um, paragangliomas, adrenal tumors, what we can do with this disease, and is there a connection to thyroid diseases and pheochromocytomas? I suspect that there is uh, the people that I've known uh, with with the diagnosis. Uh, I, I uh, urge them to check their thyroid function, mm-hmm. and it happens that that the people who have been diagnosed with that were actually hypothyroid, mm-hmm. and uh, in, the, in the absence of uh, good thyroid function. Uh, the body looks for alternative ways to keep working, and, and one is to uh, over-activate uh, the, uh, that particular kind of, of cell. Uh, uh, it, it can go in different directions. Uh, excess serotonin is one of the products. Excess uh, uh, adrenergic chemicals. Uh, is another uh, route, but uh, I, I think of it as uh, the body's in, inventing ways to to get around uh, an energy uh, a block or, or limitation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that happens with many of the uh, regulatory endocrine systems, uh, for example, uh, with animals uh, many years ago they found that if you removed one ovary of an animal the other ovary was very likely to develop cancer uh, and uh, the, the mechanism uh, was uh, because uh, the pituitary gland uh, was producing enough activating uh, gonadotropin for two hormones, it, it uh, became more active uh, uh, to, to uh, make one ovary do the work of, of two ovaries. It uh, was overstimulating that ovary, uh, driving it to the point that it, uh, uh, it became a, a, a tumor or a cancer. And, and in thyroid, uh, there's good evidence that the same thing happens when you're uh, deficient in some nutrient needed to make the thyroid hormone or or have something blocking the the production of the hormone, Uh, your pituitary becomes hyperactive, your TSH rises and chronically uh, overstimulates the thyroid gland uh, leading uh, to thyroid cancer. Uh, And uh, 
cancer mm -hmm. uh, because of the estrogen blocking uh, the secretion of the hormone and, and the pituitary having to work harder. I, I think it's uh, the, the uh, same chemical that can be used for a prolactin secreting tumor, mm -hmm. uh, bromocryptine or cabergoline or, mm -hmm. or um, uh, uh, lizride, I think, are the chemicals used to treat a, a prolactinoma. Mm -hmm. uh, some of those uh, can be used to treat the Cushing's uh, syndrome, and, and I think if you keep the, the pituitary uh, under control so that it, it isn't overstimulating your adrenals, mm -hmm. uh, you, you will uh, re reduce the risk of, of all of this. Once you get a, a tumor in the adrenal, it's too late to work on the level of the pituitary. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, low thyroid function leads to uh, in increased prolactin, uh, for example, as well as uh, uh, the thyroid-stimulating hormone. Uh, and uh, uh, the uh, uh, excess of uh, gonadotropins often follows the excess of, of thyroid-stimulating hormone and prolactin. Uh, and uh, serotonin, which rises from either uh, irritation in the digestive system mm -hmm. or from a response to hypothyroidism. Uh, serotonin happens to drive all of the pituitary hormones. Uh, so a stress that uh, leaves you with chronic serotonin excess uh, can uh, contribute to all of the tumor developments that are driven by the pituitary gland, which would include uh, different types of adrenal tumors, mm -hmm. uh, 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 thyroid tumor, ovarian tumors, uh, all, all of the uh, endocrine tumors. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Um, the next question comes from John, and it says, "What are your thoughts on the herbal form of ephedra, also known as Mao Hang? Uh, is this something that can be beneficial?" <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've used it uh, from the time I was four years old. I think and first had migraine-like headaches. Okay. Uh, my grandmother. Uh, made me my one tea, mm -hmm. uh, desert tea, it was called, uh, and uh, it's a, a powerful stimulant. It, it wakes you up, uh, and so uh, some people have used it for uh, in an excessive chronic way, mm -hmm. uh, using uh, just for its stimulating purpose or for weight loss, for example. <laughs> and in chronic excessive use, it contains things that are toxic to the liver. Mm. But if it's used just occasionally, medicinally, uh, for example, to treat nausea or 
a headache. Great. And, uh, yeah, with regard to weight loss, it, it kind of stimulates the beta receptors. Is that right? Where So it's harder, like for the stubborn fat areas. I, I remember that from my bodybuilding days. Everybody was on ephedra because it would stimulate the beta receptors instead of the alpha receptors. And, uh, uh, yeah, but, but um, free fatty acids are the result. <coughs> and... Uh, Free fatty acids are, are what make fat toxic, so it's better to uh, uh, eliminate the fat uh, slowly and carefully rather than pushing it out uh, with a stimulant like uh, my one. Yes, I agree. Okay, two more questions, and then I think we'll wrap it up. But the next question is from Anne, and it says, what is your remedy, Dr. Pete, for cellulite? What would be your cure-all or a, or a way to begin to heal a cellulite issue? The um, immediate thing is to um, check your, your temperature, metabolic rate, uh, look at your calorie and, and water consumption, uh, you should be uh, evaporating uh, at, at least uh, uh, two two liters uh, of water every day that you can't account for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if if you drink, uh, for example, two quarts of orange juice and two two quarts of milk, um, you you uh, should produce. Uh, maybe a quart of urine per day. Uh, If most of your uh, water intake uh, appears in the form uh, of urine, uh, that means that you're you're not evaporating at at a proper rate, uh, and so your metabolic rate is low. Uh, Your temperature should be kept right right around 98.6 during the daytime. Mm -hmm. The pulse rate uh, uh, well above the 60s preferably in the in the 80s per minute and uh, to, to do that uh, might might require uh, supplementing uh, uh, some extra calcium mm-hmm. uh, making sure you're getting enough sodium in your diet mm-hmm. uh, uh, having a, a vitamin D a blood test is a good idea to make sure you're uh, level is up around 50 nanograms per milliliter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, vitamin D and thyroid work very closely together. Uh, the the um, sodium and calcium work closely together to uh, suppress the, the stress hormones and to activate the protective hormones such as DHEA and progesterone. And uh, if if uh, you you still have a tendency to uh, what they call cellulite uh, for for a, a quick remedy, supplementing uh, progesterone and DHEA, mm-hmm. uh, rubbing it into those areas and taking um, five or ten milligrams orally. Uh, can uh, activate the, the uh, uh, connective tissue, uh, um, 
love that. That's, you know, out of all of my time researching weight loss and fat loss and cellulite and things like that for clients, um, I've never heard somebody say rub that into your skin. So you're on the cutting edge. You're always coming up with things that no one else is saying, which is what I really enjoy about you. Okay, and that brings me to my last question. So I want to, I wanted to ask you a question, um, that was kind of personal, but I was hoping that it would be kind of a fun question for you to answer. But what is your favorite pastime? Like, what do you do for fun? I, I think painting is my favorite thing. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen some of your artwork online and it's really beautiful. Well, that's great. So that's what I call my vitamin P, pleasure, passion, purpose. And we have to get vitamin P as well as all these other vitamins. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. It, it's real, really the, uh, the key to the whole, whole thing it is to uh, make it work pleasurably. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dr. Pete, this has been so interesting and fun and just, I just really appreciate your time on all of these questions. And I hope the listeners who submitted questions do too. And we'll, we're definitely going to have to do this again because I think people are really going to benefit from all of the information. So I appreciate that. Uh, so we'll say bye for now. Any, any parting words you wanted to leave the listeners with? Okay. Well, make sure you check out Dr. Pete's um, newsletter and sign up for that. Go ahead and give them the the way they can sign up for that, Dr. Pete. Oh, oh okay. Uh, my my website, uh, raypete.com, uh, has has a lot of my newsletters and articles. But uh, uh, at the email address for my newsletter is uh, raypete's newsletter at gmail.com yes and I highly encourage you guys listening to go get that it's a way to support Dr. Pete for all of this amazing time that he gives to us and to show him your appreciation and learn a lot of great info so I love that about you and um, thank you once again Dr. Pete we'll do this again soon okay thank you goodbye bye for now What's up, YouTube followers? Just a quick promo code for you of my show sponsor, dropanfbomb.com. You can get healthy oil packets like coconut oil, MCT oil, and their little pork sticks, salt and pepper pork sticks, no hormones, no nitrates, no artificial anything. Just really great ingredients that are quick and easy and on the go. Use my code GETFIT, G-E-T-F-I-T, to save 10%. And go to dropanfbomb.com today to get your packets of on-the-go convenient foods, healthy convenient foods. And it's a healthy way to drop an F-bomb today.